begin, would you like to start with introducing yourself and your research interest? Yeah, my name is Amr Zaidan. I'm an associate professor of medicine at Yale University and the interim chief of hematologic malignancies division at the uh, Yale Cancer Center. I focus on myeloid malignancies, AML and MDS, and I do both the clinical trials as well as outcomes, uh, real-life analysis. To begin going over the study that you presented at ASH for background, could you tell us a little bit about hypomethylating agents and how they are used in MDS? Yeah, so hypomethylating agents uh, were basically, and still continue to be the standard of care in patients with high-risk MDS. Uh, those historically have been injectable drugs, so they are given only intravenously or subcutaneously. There were two drugs approved as a cytidine and the cytobine. And until the year 2020, we did not have any oral version. Uh, so the year 2020 saw the approval of oral cytobine, cedazoridine, based on that certain study which randomized patients um, to IV or oral cytobine. And the primary endpoint was looking at pharmacokinetic equivalence. Um, so there was a merging of the two arms after two cycles with the long-term uh, follow-up after cycle three, uh, everybody being on oral um, decitabine. So what we know historically is that uh, many patients with MDS who otherwise are eligible to get HMA, only half of them get them because they uh, require coming to the clinic seven days in a row every month, which is very tough to do. Many of the MDS patients are in their 70s. Um, they don't have like enough social support or family support to come for frequent um, visits. So less than half of patients get started on HMA from those who otherwise should be on them. And from those, less than half will stay on the drugs more than three months, which we know is important because those drugs are slow to act, which means that less than 25% of all otherwise eligible patients for HMA are not persistent on HMA. And we and others have shown that patients who do not persist on HMAs or do not start on HMAs have much worse survival, but also they uh, lead to higher cost utilization from the system and health resource utilization. So for all of those reasons, improving persistence on HMA is very uh, important. And this is where I think oral decitabine could play an important uh, part. If you wouldn't mind, could you go over some of the results that you were able to present at ASH? Yeah, so in order to understand the impact of uh, oral decitabine approval on persistence on HMAs, um, we looked at uh, a large insurance claims uh, database, basically, that had the diagnosis as well as the claims for prescription of uh, both injectable and oral hypomethylating agents. And uh, we followed those patients longitudinally on this database with a link to mortality so we could check for overall survival. The study period was from the approval of oral decitabine in the year 2020, August 2020 through August 2022. And the primary outcome was persistence, meaning the, the patient, uh, how long do they stay on the, uh, on the drug? And uh, we were able to find 1,600, 1,600, um, around 100, uh, around, sorry, 1,600 patients on that database. Around 10% of them, received uh, oral decitabine, which is around 160 patients. And of those 160 patients, around 70% of them were new stars, meaning that the first time they get an HMA is the oral version, while the other 30% were switched from IV or oral 
decitabine. And when we compare the baseline characteristics of those with oral and IV uh, hypomethylating agents, they were largely similar. Most of them were older in their 70s, which is common for MDS patients. They had a lot of comorbidities. And uh, generally, uh, the results were, or the baseline characteristics were similar. But to better understand in a more reliable fashion, we did propensity score match analysis, which is a way to find the patients uh, within the injectable hypomethylating agent cohort who look the most like patients who receive oral decitabine. And we used age and comorbidity score and uh, a number of factors to match them. And we ended up with a matched cohort. And then we looked at the persistence. So what we observed is that the persistence within the first few months was somewhat similar between oral and uh, injectable hypomethylating agents. But once you go beyond six months, there was a trend for oral hypomethylating agents, which is probably consistent with the fact that um, many patients don't want to keep coming to get uh, injections repeatedly again, seven days every month. And um, uh, the hope is that this longer persistence with oral hypomethylating agent, uh, oral decitabine cedazoridine, would translate into better outcomes, which is something we are going to study as well in this and other databases. I wanted to ask, how do you interpret how these results are affecting the treatment landscape of MDS and the future treatment landscape of MDS as a whole? Yeah, so this is like, uh, I believe, the largest real-life data set looking at the use of oral decitabine. Um, which has been relatively approved recently, like only three years ago. And I think trying to understand the real life outcomes with any drug in oncology is very important because sometimes there's a big difference due to selection uh, bias that happens in clinical trial enrollment. So I think the data does show that uh, patients uh, who get the oral decitabine are somewhat similar in their baseline characteristics uh, to those who get um, uh, the injectable drugs and that the persistence might be better. And I think it's important to understand because we clinically think they are very similar, the IV and the oral decitabine, but I think the persistence issue could be something that could make it not only more convenient for patients to get um, an oral hypomethylating agent, but if it helps their persistence, could improve their outcomes. And there are other important factors like reducing the uh, time they have to spend in the clinic, improving their quality of life, uh, uh, allowing more uh, like the chairs that are very tight and we need to use them to give chemotherapy to other patients to be used for other things. So from a resource utilization point of view, all of this would be, I think, very important. And I think the next steps would be to understand the clinical effectiveness between these drugs. But also, I think this is laying the foundation for combinations with other drugs and um, doing what we call total oral therapy, which I think would be very important in the future care for patients with high-risk MDS. Definitely. And final question I was going to ask was about your you and your team's next steps, but you already uh, answered that. So I was just, I would like to ask if you would want to say anything more, if there's any more information that you think is important for uh, clinicians, anyone listening to know. Yeah, I, I think MDS uh, has historically not seen a lot of therapeutic developments compared to other areas like AML, where many drugs have been approved in the last uh, seven, eight years. In MDS, we are starting things to change. We have approval for losbetrisib for oral decitabine. We have very promising data with uh, uh, with imitilistat with a positive phase three trial. We have other drugs that are in large phase three trials, such as venetoclax and sabatolimab. 
so I think the field is moving very um, quickly in a in a better direction where we hopefully will be able to offer patients better and uh, more effective um, therapies. And I encourage uh, all the listeners to this podcast to consider discussing and referring patients to clinical trials because this is how we move things uh, forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your passion on this topic and your research. And again, your time today, we really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, Happy holidays and happy new year. Good talking to you. (laughs) 